Hey, I'm your host, Lamar L.A. Smith, and welcome to another episode of the Jack of All Trades podcast. Today, I'm with Madison Gorgoni, a top-notch real estate agent in Southern California, and she's very passionate about helping her clients, whether they're buying, selling, or leasing. She's your go-to gal. Now, when we first spoke, when we were trying to figure out, you know, you're fit for the podcast and just getting to know one another. I was very surprised that we ended up talking for like an hour and a half. I don't like we start talking about the podcast life. You ask me a bunch of questions that I normally don't get on some of those calls. So I was like, well, we definitely both have the gift of gab. So I know that much is a fit. I know <laughs> it's true. We talked a little lot longer than expected, but it was flowing. It was good. Yeah, that's, I mean, any good conversation, you want to have that natural flow where you're not pulling teeth. So yeah, definitely, definitely enjoyed it as well. But on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about Madison's journey in college and how that led her to become a real estate agent. So before I get into anything real in depth, I usually start off by asking most of my guests this simple question to start us all. How was your childhood growing up? That's a good question. Uh, I had a solid childhood, I would say. Uh, I was blessed with a good family. I grew up in a nice neighborhood. We kind of had that neighborhood that all of us growing up thought was boring. And now, you know, fast forward to being adults, we look back and say how nice and fortunate we were to grow up in a neighborhood like that. So, you know, I did my normal going to school I played sports growing up was very active in that way so you know I uh, grew a lot in different ways but uh, I had I would say I had a good childhood cool cool and what ways did you feel like you grew the most then well I would say that um, you know I had some negative experiences that I think impacted my childhood a little bit and then I had some positive ones as well so um, just experiences with you know other girls or just you know not necessarily bullying like I was bullied heavily but um some girls are not always the nicest growing up and that kind of impacted you know my self-confidence I would say and made me think negatively about myself for a long time and then I eventually grew out of that because I realized that it was more about them and not about me which I think happens you know to this day and for people's entire lives so it, it, you know, it was really tough growing up, especially when you're younger, you don't quite understand, you know, why people do the things they do. But once you kind of seek out reasons and, you know, educate yourself on people's different personalities and what they go through and their own experiences, it creates a growth for yourself and you almost get to know yourself better in a faster way because you have to, you have to really figure out who you are and, feel more confident about who you are and not let other people's opinions, because they're not always right. You have to let those opinions not always affect you or make you question yourself. I mean, you are definitely, definitely right on that front because obviously with girls is different. I mean, I have a lot of friends, uh, female friends that always tell me how 
dealing with other women, especially growing up in middle school and high school is rough, but I can empathize on the level of being in DC, being in, you know, a big city like that, that growing up middle school was rough for me. I mean, kids call you everything underneath the sun. And I swear middle school has to be the hardest, 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 hardest to deal with on any front. I don't know if it was like that for you, but for me, I feel like if you can get through middle school, like the rest of life shouldn't be that bad. Cause I don't know why kids are so mean in middle school, but they say some wild things. And I'm just like, yeah, it's true. And that's like, it's funny. Cause everyone's kind of going through similar things yet. Nobody wants to be the one pointed out or made fun of, or, you know, so then kids are so quick to kind of group together with other kids, as long as they're not in the spotlight, you know? Um, but yeah, I think middle school is the hardest because everyone's awkward and going through puberty and just figuring stuff out, you know, people are starting to like, you know, boys or girls or, you know, so it's, it's crazy how mean kids really can be. And for me, that kind of filtered into high school. I got, I liked the wrong boy and a couple girls didn't like that. And they can. Yeah. I, I know how you feel like, they're like, oh, who are you thinking that you can like who I like? I don't know why it has to be all this projecting or like wh whoever he likes. I mean, he's going to like go towards. I mean, that's just life. But even if he doesn't like me, why can't I like him? Because you like him. It just doesn't yeah. it make sense to me. Yeah. Look at yeah. And it's, it's crazy how mean people can get so quickly and how they'll, you know, recruit other people to to back them up against you and then you're like I didn't even do anything wrong we just like you said like we should all be able to like who we want to like just because you like them doesn't mean you claim them but on a deeper level I mean they're just you know it's more about themselves right like what I said earlier it's more about their insecurity or their sad because that person likes someone new and it um yeah it's it's kind of wild but I know it happens so much which sucks to hear because you know, it's hard enough going through these transitional periods and trying to get through life and understand it. And then you have some, you know, mean people along the way, but it does help produce some, a backbone and thick skin and some growth. Yeah. All right. You can't make fun of me for this, but like this made me think about this situation in a sense. So uh, years ago, there was a show called How to Rock on Nickelodeon. Obviously on Paramount Plus, they now have Nickelodeon shows. So I was watching that old show that was based off the book, How to Rock Braces and Glasses. I don't know if you ever heard of that book, but it's a book about essentially the make a long story short. This girl was popular. She became unpopular once she got braces and glasses. And then she kind of reformed her personality because she realized everything that she did other to other people came kind of back at her and just kind of like dealing with the whole dynamic of how, like you said, the bullying or the, all the different things you have to deal with as a girl in uh, school. So it made me think about that because when I look at that, I was like, dang, it really is hard. Not even just for girls, but guys as well, when you're in school and you're dealing with, you know, the popular kids or however, and it really takes a strong mental to take that stuff that other people are projecting on you to use that 
you know, to build on yourself as you get to college and your professional life and everything. Right. Yeah, because it's hard in the moment. And so people get stuck there with these, you know, um, these lies that we tell ourselves or what those people projected onto you. And then you go throughout your day and your entire life acting out of those, you know, and they're not even true most of the time. I mean, it's more about what they project on you because of their own feelings or their insecurities. So, yeah. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Now it's a dive, you know, into college and uh, aspect a little bit. I know you told me already, but what, what college did you go to? I went to Cal State Fullerton. Cal State Fullerton. I don't know how I forgot that. But at Cal State Fullerton, what, what made you choose Cal State Fullerton? Um, at the time, I wanted to branch out a little bit. I thought about San Diego, but um, I kind of chose to go there because it was local. It's actually the college my dad went to. Hmm. I was in family. Yeah, I keep it in the family. And it had a good communication program, which is what I was going to major in. So it just kind of worked out. So if you major in communications, how did that lead you to real estate? I know it's an interesting path. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I mean, you don't hear that often. You usually hear like reporter, like writer or something in that bubble. Yeah, um, there's a there's a saying that real estate, you don't find real estate, real estate finds you. Um, you know, if you go to a bunch of elementary schools and you ask, you know, a ton of you know, kindergartners, what they want to be when they grow up. I don't think a lot of them will be <laughs> just not that one of those professions that all people either know about or like, you know, strive to be. And I was definitely one of those people. I never thought about it, never considered it. Uh, when I went into college, I wanted to be an event planner or coordinator. I really liked the hustle of events and just, um, you know, being around people so I specifically did communications with entertainment and tourism because there was a time where I wanted to work in hotels um, or just nonprofit events, just anything event related. Um, and it honestly, after I graduated college, it took me, I want to say like six years after college to finally dive into real estate and decide that I went about to be my path. So uh, I explored the event realm and that industry and tried out a couple of different you know, jobs. And uh, it was a friend that told me that I should try being a realtor. And I, I put it, I put it down, I, you know, put it out of my mind for a long time. It's over absolutely not. And then uh, I finally just, you know, some things align so easily, even when you try not to follow through with it or follow that path, you kind of push against it for a long time. And then it keeps putting itself or presenting itself in front of you. And it's like, okay, at this point, I got to at least try, you know, the worst thing that could happen is I don't like it and then move on to something else, but it kept aligning itself so well for me that uh, once I even started practicing being a realtor, I just grew to love it more than I expected. That makes sense, though, when you said people don't choose real estate, real estate chooses them because like you've, you know, used with the kindergarten example out of all the people that I've met in real estate, uh, I think, on, yeah, on my show, you're the second real estate agent that I've interviewed. And it's never been like this linear path where they like, oh, I just grew up and I just knew that I was gonna sell houses or help people with properties. It's yeah. always kind of, they get 
thrust in this situation where they're like, huh, this real estate thing, I think I kind of like it. I think I kind of like it. So you saying that it makes it makes a lot of sense for me. But I know you said with that event planning, you transition into real estate. What about event planning wasn't your cup cup of tea or wasn't the same type of love that you have like you do for real estate? That's a really good question. I think the jobs that I kind of experienced, um, I was a wedding coordinator at a venue at one point and I have a little bit more of the entrepreneurial mindset as far as I'm not saying that I know everything and I don't want leadership or mentorship. I 100% do. But I, what I really like about real estate and what I was drawn to is the fact that we can create our own business and we can have the freedom to work our own hours. And, um, you know, it's all about customer service, but at least I have the freedom to manage it how I want with, uh, you know, if you're, unless you're a wedding planner that you own your own business, um, but even then it's pretty specific on how you can run your business. You know, you, weddings happen pretty much on the weekends. That's a guarantee, uh, sometimes during the week. And the event itself, a wedding, you know, it starts, it's pretty much an all day thing. You know, it might start from like one to two and then go up until late evening hours. And I think that I, I liked the job itself, but I didn't like how much I was committed to someone else's schedule, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Because like, like you said, even when you own like your own event planning or wedding planning business, it's a very specific job that you're doing and everything has to be done a certain way. Not saying that it's not like that for every business, but you kind of are fit to these certain time constraints far as everything. You're not really setting your own schedule because it's like the client has a wedding at, you know, let's say uh, July 31st. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to do this and this when or this and that there. Like, no, you need to do it at a certain time because that's when they're going to have the wedding. There's no like discussion about it because that's when they have the wedding. And yeah. if you can't fit that timetable, then, well, let's go to the next wedding planner. It's just as simple as that. So I do get what you're saying as far as like closing houses or dealing with families with, you know, different properties. It's a different dynamic because you can't really speed up a real estate process. You kind of just have to go through the channels, how they're supposed to, you know, you got to take them through the process, how it's supposed to be taken through. And it's more of, you know, obviously quantity and quality are both, you know, have their own weight to it, but it's not like you have a set timetable, like, oh, we got to get in the house on July 31st. And if we don't, then we just not going to have no place to stay. Yeah. This is not how the business works out. Yeah. And another thing to know, you know, given 2020 and COVID and how everything went down with that, you know, the housing market never slowed down. If anything, it, it skyrocketed. Right. And the event industry plummeted. You know, yeah. uh, a lot of people weren't getting married. They weren't doing events. Um, I used to do also like expos, promotional events, brand marketing, stuff like that. And those types of events were just non-existent during 2020 because they weren't allowed to anymore. So it, it kind of put in perspective another reason that confirmed my 
career choice of real estate because there's always going to be a need of homes, you know, whether it's buying, selling, or leasing, people are always going to need to live somewhere, no matter what kind of market, even if the market's dropping, that, you know, we might have some foreclosures or, um, you know, people are going to have to sell regardless, you know what I mean? So there's always yeah. a market for something, it's just about pivoting and shifting your business, but that's why I love the beauty of real estate, because we can shift and pivot and adapt to what the need is, uh, but you're always going to need to live somewhere, you know? I am curious, though. I mean, obviously, you know, things adapt and change over time, not just your business, but the skills you gain from the time that you graduated college to now. But was there anything that you, you know, gather from Oregon that's been helping you as you started making these shifts, like in the career field, your career fields? Like since college to now? Yeah, like anything valuable that you learned at your time in Oregon? Like what was one thing that you may have, you know, gained that's helped you? Uh, definitely relationships, I would say. You know, no matter where, you, where you're at, uh, whether it's college, career, maybe you're not working at some point for whatever reason, building relationships everywhere you are and at any point in life that you are is really going to impact anything that you do. Because even if you don't need that relationship right now, you might need it in the future. And then when that time comes, you will be so happy that you developed that relationship. Dang, that's a great point. I think, yeah, that makes sense. Because if you look at any part of life, I think that's a great aspect that college does teaches people because, you know, some people, they get their first job out of college just because, hey, we were in the same fraternity or, hey, like my friend's dad owns this company. And I said, hey, can you put in a good word with your parents? And like, it's all networking, right? It's all about who you know, what connections you were able to make. And depending on, even if you're a shy person, depending on how well you treated people and how well you connect, connected with people, will say a lot about, you know, your existing professional career and like what you're able to take. Even if you don't have some, you know, great networking relationships, you have the skills to build those networking relationships after yeah. college. So yeah, that's a, that's a great point for sure. Yeah, that's what I think when people are in college they should always try to talk to the professors or do internships and even if you know I mean we did I did three internships in college and it was a lot of free labor you know um yeah no I feel you because even one of them that I did I still keep in contact with her today and again you just never know even though I'm not in that specific industry anymore you know she might need to buy or sell a house you know now fast forward you know, to the future, she might need my career now as a service, but I, we made that connection back then because I worked for her, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, just thinking about my own life, it's crazy how much, you know, help you get from people that you may not have even touched bases with for a minute. Like myself, I may call like an old teacher up and I haven't talked to them in months or like a year. And they treated like, oh, like they saw me yesterday. Like, hey, how you doing, Lamar? What's this? Blah, blah, blah. Is everything okay? And it's like, dang, you would have thought that they were your parent. But it just, it shows that 
even if you aren't touching bases with some of these people on a regular basis, how much that your time when you were speaking to them on a regular basis, how much that impacted their lives just based off of their reaction anytime you interact with them. So I do think, you know, like you said, it's cool when you can touch bases with them on a regular. I think that's important. But also, even if you aren't, like you just calling them or texting them, like it means the world to them. Yeah, definitely. Now, I also am interested to know, what do you enjoy the most about real estate right now? Uh, definitely helping the clients for, for sure. I mean, it's not, most of the time it's not an easy road. Uh, real estate can get very complex or stressful. I mean, especially for buyers or sellers, this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest transaction of their entire life. Um, it's not like they're just buying a new pair of shoes or, you know, even a car, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, um, I think sometimes people, you hear it about it all the time and you don't realize how big of a deal it really is. And when you finally get to that closing date with the clients, you know, no matter what happened, they're so excited by, you know, buying or selling. And when they get the keys or they get that check, if they're selling the house, you know, they are just ecstatic. And when I get to be that person that gets to be along for the journey with them and guide them and, you know, kind of be their ear to listen to, because we're sometimes therapists as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see how that, that kind of intertwines. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, uh, we do have to be that person, but that that's part of our, our job and that's why we do what we do. So I would say the part I love the most is just helping them achieve whatever goal they're trying to achieve. I mean, yeah, I can, I can definitely see how it is gratifying. Like you said, when they, you know, make this purchase or make this, not even purchase, make this investment into their lives, like how much it changes their demeanor, their lives moving forward is everything like you, could have like a couple who has a baby and like this could be the kid's house for like the next 18 years of his life like right. this could be the house that not only he grows up in but the only house like he knows so just like stuff like that is so so important with you know like you said everything going on with COVID as well uh actually I mean I think you touched on this a little bit already but and what ways have you had to pivot the most far as adapting to everything that happened with COVID when it comes to, you know, your business? I would say the most is pivoting where the demand is, you know, uh, in, in that market, it became a seller's market. So you had to become more aggressive with the offers and the houses because there is such low inventory that you, you can't just kind of submit a mediocre offer at this point. So we kind of had to transition ourselves to be being more competitive, also being quicker with how we operate because, you know, with certain houses that have been on the market for a while, you can kind of take your time. And yeah. Now you have to be so on top of everything to make sure a buyer doesn't miss out on a house to make sure they are competitive and um, also creating inventory was another pivot. So more prospecting as far as finding sellers because there's a need for inventory. So 
instead of just chasing after all of the homes that are for sale, you have to also create your own inventory by, you know, door knocking, calling, uh, networking as well, you know, asking people if they're interested in selling more than ever, because there is such a demand for that at this point. So you almost can't just keep operating in the same way because, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to find homes to buy or sell. Okay. Like, so when you, I know you say is you have to be so much quicker when you say that, is it like you, let's say if, you know, someone puts in an offer for a house, I know sometimes with houses, just like with anything, you may, you know, field offers or you kind of play this weight game. So what you're saying is there's just like no wait time is like whatever is the best offer, you kind of have to be aggressive and jump on it in that case, right? Right, exactly. And as soon as you see a house, you pretty much have to submit an offer. I mean, if you, you know the buyer wants to, and it's also about following up with the listing agent and the, the relationship with the you know buyers and listing agent, super important as well. But um, you know, homes are going into escrow within three to four days sometimes. So if you kind of lag on showing the house and submitting an offer, you might miss out on the opportunity. Yeah. It's a good, I think it's a good thing for us as real estate agents. You kind of see who the ones are that really care about the business and actually are on top of it and the ones that aren't. So it kind of weeds out some of the ones that maybe think this is too hard and they you know, might choose a different career, but the ones that are really hungry and really love what they do, they're going to stick through this and keep, you know, keep fighting for it. Hmm. You, you really just made me think about something. I mean, I do agree that hunger is important with any job, any career path. Like, like you said, uh, oh, no, not like you said, I just thought of a quote. I forget where I heard it from, but this is not to, you know, body shame anyone, but it's just an analogy. The fat get fed the most. So, like, the people that are already hungry, you know, are going to keep getting fed. Whereas if you're not hungry, you're not going to get fed. Right. Right. So, full, then I mean, it's almost like you're, comfort, you're like, comfortable, like, right? Yeah. So you're not going to keep pushing because you're already satisfied. I totally get that. Yeah. All right. Boom. All right. I, I was on the right track. I was on the right track. So... <laughs> What makes you hungry to keep, you know, going out there, helping families, helping individuals find homes, lease, the whole nine when, you know, like you said, people are dropping off like flies because of COVID and even with, you know, recovering from COVID now? Right. I would say that a couple of different things, um, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's about the clients and helping them achieve their goals. So that moment when you close on a certain deal and, you know, either buyer or seller is super happy and they're super grateful, um, that feeling alone, even though it's probably been stressful and I pull my hair out most of the days, but um, that feeling alone, it's almost like I've compared real estate to, <laughs> to childbirth before. Like, I mean, I don't have my own kids. So I don't know for sure, but from what oh, I, from people, uh, from women, you know, the, the pain is so severe when you're in the process of giving birth. But once you hold your baby and you look into their eyes, there's this feeling of like pure 
joy and pure happiness and you almost forget about all the pain and then hmm. you end up wanting another one because of that moment alone so i you know bringing it back to real estate some escrows are so painful and so stressful but the moment you hand over the keys or you hand over the check let's say um that feeling alone is just like a high and i want to keep repeating that high because i know i'm making an impact in people's lives it's not just a one-time transaction either. I'm their real estate agent for life. So anytime they need another service in the future, I want to be that go-to person for them. And I want to have that feeling again for myself and for them. Um, so that's more about the client motivation, the client relationship motivation. That's why I feel so strongly about that. Then on the other side, there's also a self-satisfaction, right? Of, of me actually being a successful business owner. Um, that's part of my drive as well, because I want to be, proud of the job that I do and I, I want to be successful in life. And I don't mean that only in wealth as far as money. I just mean about overall wealth, you know, because the real estate allows me to, you know, provide for myself and, you know, earn a living because, you know, I wish we could do whatever we want that we love and it doesn't matter about money, but I mean, it's reality, right? We need to make money. So if this is something that I love and at the same time I can earn my own living and actually feel proud of what I'm accomplishing each day, then that's to me overall wealth and happiness and self-satisfaction. So I want to be proud of what I do. And also if I get to help people along the way, then that's like a double whammy motivation for me. Hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, just thinking about myself as far as obviously it doesn't beach your childbirth analogy, but <laughs> thinking about myself as an author, I know that when I write, like sometimes I ain't gonna lie right now, I've been in a funk with writing. Cause like I already dropped the first book, the second book I've been promoting like characters and been trying to finish this first draft. So I can move on to the next process. And I'm like, almost done the first draft but it's like dang writing sometimes can suck especially when everything I'm creating is like off the dome and not just me you know recalling stuff from memory like I did with my first book but for example yesterday one of my friends was like I forgot to tell you the other day but your book was amazing you know I like x y and z about it and I was like dang that's why I write, you know, I write so, you know, I can invoke that type of reaction and response out of people so I can make those type of connections as far as what's going on around me. So I can definitely empathize on the same field, like you said, even though sometimes it takes forever with escrow, or it can be stressful. You're playing therapist and you're not getting paid to be therapist. When they have that look on their face and they're like, oh my God, Madison Gagoni just helped me sell my house. Madison just helped me lease this house. You gotta be like, dang, I just did a good job. Like I just made an impact today. So yeah, I agree. Feel you on that. <laughs> definitely feel you on that. So before we end this episode, I'm gonna play a game with you. And this one is pretty new. I told you I was gonna think of something new when we was on the call. And I did. So this is rapid fire questions. So obviously the name is in the title, but just answer these five questions as quickly as you can. All right. 
First question, if you could have one book, one TV show, and one meal on a secluded island, what would it be? Oh, man. One book, one TV show? And one meal. Like, one. that's the only meal you can eat. Oh, okay. The meal would probably be a charcuterie board. Endless cheese and fruits and meats. I love charcuterie boards. Pretty um, good, pretty good. That or sushi, one or the other. I could probably have sushi too. Um, a, a TV show would probably be Law & Order SVU. Favorite show of all time. Okay, okay. And a favorite book. Oh man, I, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. Have you heard of her? No? Brene I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I haven't heard of her. She's, in, um, she's awesome. She's in the, uh, she's from Texas and she talks a lot about <laughs> uncomfortable things, which I love because I love growth. But she talks about like shame and vulnerability and she got her PhD in, in studying those topics. So I love it because she's very humorous as well. But I could reread those books over and over. So definitely hers too. Okay, okay, okay. Next question. When you think of real estate, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, what's the first word? The first word? Yeah, that comes to mind when you think of real estate. <laughs> uh, surprise. Mm, okay, okay. I'm not even going to ask, like, a follow-up to that because I feel like that's, that's a pretty good way to describe it. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite childhood memory? Oh, going to the, the lake with my family. Hmm. Okay. What, what lake did y'all go to on a regular? Lake Havasu. Lake Havasu? Oh, yeah. In Arizona. Ironically, I'm in Arizona, but I haven't been to Lake Havasu before, but I heard it's beautiful. So I guess I'm missing out. It's awesome. I wouldn't say it's the most beautiful lake out there, but it's just where we always went. We always had. You have to try it. Yeah, I'm going to have to put that on my list. I'm going to have to put that on my list of things to do. All right. If you can get on a 15-minute phone call with an entrepreneur or a business owner, you don't already know personally, who would you call? Wait, can you say the first part? <laughs> so if you could get on a 15-minute phone call oh. with any entrepreneur or business owner you don't already know personally, who would you call? Ed Milet. Ooh, Ed Milet. Hmm. Him? Yeah, of course I know Ed Milet. It's just, it's a, obviously a topic for another day, but Ed Milet is actually uh, the brother-in-law of my mentor. So that's funny that you said that. Oh, really? Small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Milet's a, a cool dude, a cool He's dude. Awesome. Yeah, I've never met him personally, so. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely would be a good phone call for sure. All right. The last one. What song or album are you listening to on repeat right now? Oh, man. Well, I listen to a lot of EDM or house. I just like the vibe. Uh, I don't know who the artist is, but the song is called Over This. And I, <laughs> it's a really good beat, really good lyrics, but I just, I like it because I'm, makes me think like what am I over like what am I what do I want to change okay okay I've never heard that type of in-depth response to eating uh, electronic music or like house music but 
hey, I mean, you're you're different, so I don't yeah. blame you. I don't blame you. Okay, that's all we have for this episode of the Jack of All Trades pod. Make sure you check out the next episode on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And make sure you get my book, Jack of All Trades, Rise of a Party Promoter. And follow me on Instagram at Jack Onovan. I also will put Madison's info in the bio as well so you can follow her, especially if you need someone to sell your home or buy, or buy a home, anything you real estate-wise. But I've already talked enough for today, so LA out. Hey.